Yeah, it's now it's updated. My God, me and Boyd have been sitting here for an hour waiting for you to update your laptop. Well, one, this thing is so old that it couldn't handle that; it would just explode. And uh, two, yeah, really? I just want—I just wanted to, you know, fucking pull a uh, pull a Chargers Raiders last night. They're like, oh, we're gonna be delayed 35 minutes for lightning and rain in an indoor stadium. Well, I'll, I'll top that. I'll go for an hour. Yeah, I love my computer so much. Time to uh, open that wallet up to get a new one. Now, oh, jeez, we pretty much had our entire Bucks Patriots conversation. Uh, Without you here, without the record button on. Yeah, we nice. on my part not to record and splice it in. But listen, week five previews are here. We're gonna hit on the one and three Patriots taking on the one and three Houston Texans. Three and one Rams taking on the two and two Seattle Seahawks. The one and three Dolphins versus the three and one Buccaneers. The three and one Browns versus the three and one Chargers. And finally, on Saturday Night Football, the three and one Buffalo Bills travel out to Arrowhead to take on the two and two Kansas City Chiefs. We'll have the best best with the Puma. Where obviously he'll try to help you guys win some money, and then the fantasy bullets with Burge is back by popular demand. Let's go. Yeah. Yes, sir. All right, you guys ready to do this? Let's roll. All right. Um, game we're all be looking forward to: Patriots versus. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's back up real quick. The Patriots versus Texans. Um, so you know the Patriots are coming off of a win against the Buccaneers on Sunday Night Football. We've been craving for that matchup for weeks now. Um, and the Texans are one and three right now. I know, Burge, you've got quite a bit to say on this game, so I'm gonna turn the floor over to you uh, and get your analysis on this game. Yeah. So going into the game, obviously last week on the pod, uh, I was the sole person that uh, expected this game to be a lot closer than, uh, you know. You two and pretty much the entire country, the betting world, everybody thought it was going to be, um, you know, and to be honest with you, it was uh, even, <laughs> I had my doubts on my uh, my pick on this, but, you know, the game didn't disappoint, came right down to the to the last, you know, minute of the game. Uh, obviously an emotional day for Patriots fans with Tom Brady coming back. You know, I might be in the minority here, but I was very, very pleased with the reception that uh tom brady got in gillette stadium you know they gave him his his due when he came out you know loud cheering all this and that they gave the tribute video and uh you know and then when he took the field as a buck on his first drive he got booed the one and only time in the game he got booed and i thought that that was the the perfect uh welcome home for brady in terms of uh you know treating him as an opponent while also appreciating what the uh you know the last 20 years were uh, getting into the game, you know, the Patriots had a, had a game plan dialed up, ready to go. Obviously, I think the weather played a big part in this game. You know, it was pouring rain for, you know, a good portion uh, of the game, probably say three quarters of it. Um, let's just say that the Patriots defense did what they needed to do to limit the passing game of the Tampa Bay Bucks. Obviously, we know the Bucks have trouble running the ball, and it seemed that the Patriots were willing to give them that. Obviously, the Bucks had, had a little bit of success running the ball. Uh, in this game, um, but at the end of the day, I was I was pleasantly surprised with the Patriots' performance in this game. Mac Jones, 19 straight completions uh, at one point in this one. I thought he was the best quarterback on the field on Sunday night. Uh, Brady was missing some throws big time. You can attribute it to you know the weather, him being emotionally jacked up, or just having an off night. Um, but my biggest gripe in this game was the decision at the end. The Patriots channeling 19. To 17, driving the ball, fourth and three. You know, the the the, the pl- play before the fourth down was they had a pass by I think Mac Jones was targeting, I think it was Jacoby Myers. Guy was wide open and it, and I think it was Levante David that made just a brilliant play to knock that ball down at the line. Great read. Uh guy was wide open, just a great defensive play. And I I, I am very was very upset with uh Bill Belichick and the coaching staff. To, to not give the kid his chance to, to, to win a game on the highest on, on the highest stage that this team's going to see this year uh, against you know the, the former quarterback. And I was very disappointed in that despite the fact that Nick Folk was about six inches away from hitting his career long in the rain. Um, but at the end of the day, given the fact that they haven't they didn't let him kick the ball, you know, heck, I think over 50 yards uh, at all since he's been with the Patriots, uh, it really, really bothered me that they did that. But overall, satisfied with the Patriots' performance. A lot of guys, you know, took a step forward. Obviously, this team still has major problems with the offensive line, uh, with Isaiah Wynn getting absolutely destroyed. 
and Michael when you get benched. Uh, so there's still some major problems there. And uh, secondly, the backfield, uh, you know, J.J. Taylor with a costly fumble. So still some major issues with this team. But overall, uh, I think they, they did take a step forward. And I, you know, you call it a moral victory, call it whatever you want. But I, I, I feel better about the Patriots team and the way that they played after that loss than I did going into the game. Yeah. Do you mind me asking you, um, Do, do if you had to venture a guess, why do you think Belichick decided to go for the field goal there over trusting Mac to try to get those three or four yards? I'm guessing you listened to Greg Bedard earlier today because they asked no, him the I, same thing. No, because I, <laughs> no, I, I do want to know, like, what's the thought process there? I mean, like, you know, at the end of it, we've all seen the stats. It seems that, you know, essentially putting the ball in Mac's hand to try to get the first down, you know, statistically, it made more sense than trying to kick a field goal, you know, with uh, Nick Folk, who hasn't made a 56-yarder since 11 years ago when he was in Denver. I mean, and the ball travels so much better in Denver. So, like, what do you think the thought process was for Belichick behind that move? Nah, I think I think he did. I think he had uh, some wavering confidence in both of his units, um, you know, going into that decision, um, you know, the, the offense, you know, I think like you and I talked about before we got on here, you know, they were helped out with a, you know, you call it a gift pass interference to get down there. They had shown a little bit of faltering, uh, you know, in the, down the stretch at the end of the game. Um, you can call it the safe play for image stake. You know, I know that was mentioned on the radio earlier today. Excuse me. Um, I just, it, it, maybe in his eyes, he, he had, he trusted his kicker. His kicker is may had made, I think, what was it? 36 straight field goals. Now granted, none of them were as long as they were. And he was about, again, six inches away from being right. Uh, but, but that being said, from my eyes, if you leave Tom Brady, 40 seconds or 55 seconds at that point with two timeouts yeah. uh, to need a field goal to win, I uh, that's a low percentage play in my eyes. I, I I would have liked to have seen him give the kid a chance to to to, to uh, you know you know basically they get the first down there they can more or less run the clock out at that point and kick a winning field goal later from a closer distance a more higher percentage uh, you know play at that point, uh, but. You know, they, they, they made the decision. He was six inches from be, making the, the right decision, at least at the time. He makes it. We don't know what Brady would have done. Uh, you know, I think maybe he trusted his defense a little bit more than his offense at that point. Maybe that's why he did it. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, I, don't, I don't agree with the decision. Yeah. Same here. I absolutely hated the decision. And, you know, at the end of the day, whenever the Patriots lose, we come on this podcast and we do the whole, like, blame pie thing. And obviously, you know, for me, I always okay, blame... I always blame the players on the field because if I'm going to give them the praise for executing on the field, I'm also going to fault them for for not you know converting plays when the, when the team needs them the most. And Nick Folk is going to take the lion's share of this of this blame, right? At the end of the day, if the coaching staff has enough confidence in you to go out there and kick a field goal, then you know you've got to go out there and perform. Now the decision itself is something we can debate, and a close second for me in the blame pie is the coaching staff. And, and once again, this is God knows how many weeks now that we come in. And you know, essentially, bear the coaching staff for just you know not making the right, uh, not making the right decisions in the game when they weren't should have went for the fourth down. You know, having too many men on the field, dumb penalties, like turnovers, all those things are just like compiling. And for me, it's just hard to believe that a Bill Belichick-led coaching staff is coaching this team in such a negative light. Um, some of the other things that are still creeping up, uh, you know, the, the offensive line is still shit. Uh, the the running attack had negative one yards. Um, I just don't see this team getting any better. A lot of these, yeah, sure, you can point to Mac Jones being good and Matt Judon being good and, you know, Jalen Mills having a good game for, for once. But overall, I think the team in itself isn't getting any better. And it doesn't help that your starting quarterback, a rookie who's doing well, uh, is playing well and you're still somehow losing these games. So for me, I, I don't understand how it's this bad. And, and going to this Texans game, you know, we would think it'd be an easy win, but we can't say that anymore, right? You know, at the end of the day, we all expect the Patriots to win, but, like, can we be confident in saying that? So, you know, at the end of the day, I do have them being the Texans, but I'm not very confident in that. All right, I mean, let's let's be honest, though. I mean, we're, we're now two weeks in a row where either Chase Winovich doesn't know when he's supposed to go on the field or the coaching staff just doesn't know what the hell they're doing. And they burned a crucial timeout when everyone thought it was for to give a, a player extra time to, you know, come off the field and, you know, air quotes, sit out of play, but not really because they called a timeout when 
in reality, like either it was you know Gerard Mayo or you know Mullet Man Joe Dirt himself, Steve Belichick, just Tongue just man. not just not knowing when to put Winovich in, and Winovich looks like me in math class when I get called for homework. So like this is a recurring problem. I don't know where where the blame is, but like. You know, a lot of that has to go on the coaching staff. I mean, you need to know what these rotations are. And, I mean, look at Chase Winovich. I mean, Jay, we were talking about this in, you know, in the offseason and Burge, you too. Like, Winovich was a roster bubble guy for a lot of training camps. So, like, if this is on him, like, it's not really helping his cause to stay on the roster. Like, I don't know if he'd be bumped down to practice squad. I don't think they would outright release him. But, like, he's really not helping himself or endearing himself in the eyes of the coaching staff right now, especially at a crucial point in the game. And real quick on the Texans, I mean, there really isn't a whole lot to talk about here. New England's nine-and-a-half-point favorites on the road in Houston. Um, if this was a uh, a Tyrod Taylor or Tyrod Taylor, depending on how you say his name, uh, Taylor-led offense for the Texans, I wouldn't be surprised if Houston found a way to win this game. Uh, they they really went down to the wire with the Cleveland Browns until he came up lame with the hamstring, but he's out. It's going to be the Davis Mills show again. The Texans have the worst point differential in the NFL right now. Um, I, I think New England wins. I would hope they would cover the 9.5 with the rookie quarterback under center. But again, like we still have the issues with rotations and whatnot. Um, I I'm going to stay away from betting the spread in this game, but I have the Pats winning outright. Yeah, me too. I mean, I I would stay away from it betting this game too. I just I I I would stay if, if as a fan, I I would stay away from betting the Patriots altogether because I this there's just weeks that I just don't know what's what what to expect at this point. Um I do have the Patriots winning this game outright um with the um you know, against the Texans, but I do have the Texans covering the 9 and a half. I think what we've seen from the Patriots this year, I mean, there's a chance this could be a Jets-style game where they win by, what, 16 points or something. But at the end of the day, I don't have any confidence that, they, that they're that they going to outright, uh, you know, and essentially I, I, I consider a 10-point win a pretty handed, you know, pretty one-sided game where they, you know, not not run away with it, but they win it handedly. And I don't, I don't see that happening. I have the Texans covering the 9.5 points, but the Patriots ultimately win the game by – by three to seven points, either by a touchdown or a field goal. Uh, Parker's pick for this game also, he, he picks the Texans to cover. What? Um, okay. Yep, he picks the Texans to cover here. Obviously, I'm not going to uh, differentiate his picks because I have it in the past, but I like to think that uh, I've trained my boy well enough to uh, <laughs> think the Patriots are going to win the game. Even though he's, he's going to be a good gambler, he's going to pick the Texans to cover. Yeah. Sharp Parker. Exactly right. And, and I got the Texans winning as well because, I'm sorry, I got the Patriots winning as well because this is it. I mean, if you don't win this game, you Must might as well win. pack up You might as well pack up a season and call it a call it a season. But quick question for you, buddy, before we move on. Uh, is this the week that Ramondre Stevenson comes out of the Bill Belichick doghouse? Uh, <laughs> don't think they have a choice. Yeah, because I mean, I, you I, would think it would be this game, right? I mean, because he's been sitting in the doghouse for two or three weeks now. And, and, you know, Josh McDaniels actually had a great bounce back game in regards to his play calling. I think with Josh McDaniels, uh, you know, getting a little bit of his mojo back and Reminder Stevenson hopefully coming out of the doghouse, I think we might see a little bit more cohesive unit on offense out there. I mean, let's be honest. If, if I told you early in the, you know, in the preseason, Jay, that Brandon Bolden was going to be the most shorthanded back in the backfield for the New England Patriots, I think you would have probably laughed me off this podcast. Yep. So, I mean, right now, Brandon Bolden is the most shorthanded guy they have. And I, he, he he's not gonna he's not gonna make a big play. He's not gonna make a guy miss. Uh, so I think that at this point, I would rather see Ramondre Stevenson on the field than JJ Taylor. Despite the fact that I was high on JJ Taylor going into the season, I really want to see what Ramondre Stevenson does uh, again here. And JJ Taylor's fumble was far more costly than Stevenson's was in Week One. So let Stevenson go. Let's see what he's got. See if he's got any of those flashes from the preseason. Uh, any other final points you want to get on this game? I'm good. Come on. All, all I'm going to say is if somehow Houston finds a way to win with this, you know, cagey major league, you know, movie baseball, like kind of defense, you know, if anyone's seen the movie major league, this defense is essentially the Cleveland Indians uh, of that movie. <laughs> if, if they find a way to win with the rookie quarterback against the New England Patriots, like, uh, 
man, Boston radio is going to be something to listen to. And I think if they lose to Houston, the, any questions that are going to be asked about the coaching staff are going to be valid. So they need to win this game on the road. Yeah. It's a must win. It's a must win altogether. Yeah, I'll give you that. Must must win. Um, all right, let's move on to the three and one Rams coming off of an absolute beatdown against the Cardinals. Thirty-seven uh, twenty was the final score. Taking on the two and two Seattle Seahawks on Sunday Night Football. The Seahawks are coming off of a win against the uh, San Francisco Forty ers So, fellows, who you guys got winning this game? Oh God, I'm. I go. I don't feel comfortable saying this because I think this is going to be really close. I think really it could be a pick'em. Real uh, in, in my eyes, I lean to the Rams just because of how bad mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Seattle secondary is. Yes, I mean, if you were if you were to look yep. at the box score for the Seattle Seahawks and the 49ers last week, and you didn't just look at the score, but you looked at all the stats, you would have thought the 49ers won that game. But plot twist. The Seattle Seahawks did, and they really got gifted by a couple of special teams blunders uh, by Cannon for the the San Francisco 49ers. Um, I, I like the Rams in the spot. I wouldn't say it was like a come-back-down-to-earth moment for the Rams. I think it was just a, a slight letdown. Um, I think McVay and... and uh, and Matthew Stafford, they're going to just find ways to dial up Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup kind of got isolated out uh, by um, by the, the, the Cardinals on, on Sunday. It was really a Van Jefferson game at that point. I think Van Jefferson is still going to be a part of this uh, Rams offense. I would not be shocked if you saw a lot of work between Daryl Henderson and Sony Michelle, just because not only is the pass defense bad for Seattle, the rush defense is just as bad. I think they're actually in the bottom of the league right now in rush defense. Um, I expect the shootout. I like the over in this game. The over-under is 54. I think it's like the second or third highest total on the board right now. Rams, last I looked, were two-and-a-half-point favorites on the road in Seattle. Uh, give me give me the Rams to uh, to win outright and lay in the two-and-a-half. Yeah, Puma, I'm with you there. You know, Seattle Seattle's defense scares, you know, the crap out of me And if I was going to be a better with them. Uh, I like to think that the Los Angeles Rams, this could have been, like like you said, Puma, it could be a comeback down-to-earth moment, a little bit of a wake-up call. I don't see the Rams' defense playing as badly as they did, giving up 37 points in this game. Uh, so I, I, I like them to bounce back here uh, against the Seahawks. I think, you know, the Seahawks' win this past week was, you know, like you said, statistically they were beat everywhere. I think that San Francisco losing their starting quarterback – Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, you know, might have affected them a bit in terms of what they were trying to do. So I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna ride with you on this. Uh, Rams minus two and a half. I'll take them the win outright, laying the points. My little boy disagrees with me. He's all on the Seahawks bandwagon this week to cover uh, to win uh, win this game, laying the two points or getting the two points, I should say. He wants to be Mister Unlimited. Hey, he's he's been uh, he's been screwing us over a few times. So. No. Side note: Before I pick this game, what's happening in San Fran with the quarterback situation? Because you know, after the game, Jimmy Garoppolo is saying that he might be out for a couple of weeks, and then you've got you know Kyle Shanahan coming in saying, "Oh yeah, there's a good chance he can play this week." Like, is Jimmy Garoppolo quitting on the 49ers in a, in a weird way or no? No, I think it might just be coach speak. I think I think uh, Shanahan is just trying to get in McVay and uh, and the defensive staff for the Rams' head, being like, yeah, well, Garoppolo said like he could be out a couple of weeks, but I think he could actually be back in time for this game. I don't think they want them to just outright plan for the rookie. I think they're going to wait until probably the day prior when the final injury reports come out. Prior, to, you know, obviously before the kickoff, like that's the final designation of whether or not you're active or inactive. But when final injury reports come out from the last practice of the week, um, I think we'll have a pretty good idea of who's going to be the starting quarterback. I think he's just keeping everything uh, locked down tight. Yeah. You know, that being weird. said, like, real quick, it's it's a calf contusion is what yeah. I heard is, is his injury. So you got your quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, saying he's going to be out a few weeks with a contusion. Something yeah. doesn't seem right there. Well, that's my point, right, Birch? Because I'm watching the, the post-game press conference, and he's walking to the podium and I'm like, if there's something wrong with your calf slash Achilles like area, it's probably gonna be like a ruptured Achilles, something really bad where you can't even walk on it. But it seems like you're you're just walking to the podium, and at the end of the day, it's a calf contusion. Like you can't battle through that. And that's one of the things that I had in the back of my mind in regards to when Kyle Shanahan came out and said he might be able to play this week. But in regards to Rams Seahawks, get back to that real quick. I mean, listen, it's gonna come down to can the Seahawks protect Russell Wilson? He's already like you know they've already given up 14 sacks.
sacks so far in 11 games. Coupled out with the fact that Rams have already recorded 12 sacks in four games, I feel like it's going to be a really long day for Russell Wilson. And Puma, you hit it on the head. That Seattle defense is definitely one of the worst in the league. It might be the worst. One defense allows 152 yards per game, which is 31st in the NFL, and then 295 two yards uh, in regards to passing per game. So, you know, all in all, I expect Matt Stafford and their Rams offense to have a hell of a day. They're going to be able to air the ball out, move the ball, score points. But I want to get back to the Seattle thing real quick because it's shaping up to be one of those teams where the Patriots had in the 11s, 12s, 13s, earlier on this decade where it was a lot of like Brady-centric. And I'm getting this vibe from the Seahawks that it's a very Russell Wilson-centric football team. Do you guys get that feeling? Could this potentially be another wasted year for Russell Wilson? And how will that affect that Russell Wilson-Pete Carroll relationship? I mean, I think that relationship's kind of on on uh, life support at this point. I mean, if you're basically, you know, you're at the Super Bowl, you're watching Tom Brady basically call a shot, you know, go to Tampa Bay and win a Super Bowl in his first year with the new team. Um, I think that opened up a lot of eyes for quarterbacks around the league. I mean, we saw it with Watson pre-legal issues. We saw that with A-Rod, Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay when he took an AC-130 gunship to the NFL draft the first round. Um, yeah, I think... This is already on life support. If this is a lost season, uh, I think you're going to get a formal trade request mm. from Russell Wilson's uh, camp uh, to the front office of the Seattle Seahawks at the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I echo everything you guys say on this. It, it does seem that way. I mean, their running game has, hasn't been all that great. You know, Chris Carson, you know, he, he, was, he was pretty bad in that game against the 49ers. So... You kind of need to have balance for this team, and if it's becoming like this thing where it's going to be Russell Wilson all the time, and they have bad defenses. I mean, we saw what happened to the Patriots teams when they had bad defenses when it was all Brady. I mean, they didn't go anywhere. I mean, they made the playoffs, obviously, but they didn't go anywhere with it. So, and like you said, Puma, I think you're going to see a formal trade request if uh, if things if things go south. It just it just screams to me, man, like those 11, 12, 13 years where. That team was bad, and I still don't understand how Brady dragged that shit roster in 11 to the to the Super Bowl. And I'm just getting that same vibe from Seattle where they're asking to do so much and the rest of the team is not pulling their weight. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the 1-3 and three Miami Dolphins coming off of a loss to the Indianapolis <laughs> Colts. Uh, the Colts ended up being the Dolphins 27-17. Uh, they're taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 3-1. and one. The Buccaneers are coming off of a, a great victory against the New England Patriots where my boy Tom Brady pants Belichick again. But, that, <laughs> but who you guys got winning this game? <laughs> Uh, the Bucks are going to win this game, and yes. right now the point spread is is uh, Bucks laying ten points, and I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if they cover that. Uh, I, you know, this Dolphins defense is great. Like we can all agree that it's a great defense, but the fact of the matter is, is when your offense can't just generate any sort of of positive plays and positive yardage, and your defense is hung out to dry for about thirty five minutes of total time on the field, like it was last week against the Indianapolis Colts, yeah, you're going to get burned because you're running out of gas. And I think this is exactly what's going to happen. I think the Bucks are this is going to be a bounce-back spot. And then if you look ahead down the Bucks schedule, it's pretty cupcake, uh, especially after the bye week. But, uh, you know, we saw it on Sunday Night Football. Uh, we really didn't hit on it uh, at the top of the show. But, like, there were times where Brady clearly missed Gronk in the game on Sunday like, it, you know, a couple of those throws, Gronk makes that with his eyes closed. I think this is going to be a perfect game for Brady and, and Cameron Brate to get on the same page. I think Antonio Brown could have a great game. I, I think every skill position player on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is going to have themselves a day. The Dolphins, um, Austin Jackson is a problem. And he is uh, one of the, the offensive linemen for the Dolphins. He was taken uh, the same same year, Tua Tonga Vailoa was drafted. He was drafted, I believe, it was in the fifteenth overall out of USC. He was a developmental guy that some of the scouts were saying, and you clearly saw that against the Indianapolis Colts. He barely blocked anybody. He gave up a costly strip sack fumble for a touchdown to the Colts. I think Darius Leonard came up with it. Uh, this is a bad offensive unit. It's a bad team right now. Um, there were reports that. 
Stephen Ross is really kicking the tires mm-hmm. on pulling a trigger and finally just unloading draft picks to Houston to get Deshaun Watson. And at this point, I think he would be justified because he gave you know Chris Greer, the general manager, and Brian Flores, uh, the head coach, the keys to the car to rebuild this team. And like the first year, it looked okay. You saw promise. The second year, okay, like we're you know we're like a, about a ten win team. Uh, and now it is just a, a dumpster fire. It is so bad. Tua can't stay healthy, which drove me fucking nuts on draft night. Austin Jackson, none of these draft picks on the offensive line have panned out. And we don't even know who's calling the plays because this team has two offensive coordinators and nobody is just going to come out and say who's actually calling the plays. I think a lot of you know, a lot of eyes need to start looking at Brian Flores and wondering why you can't retain a coaching staff for more than one year. Uh, Guglielmo, the offensive line coach, he left mm-hmm. after a year. He went up to New England, I believe. Uh, Chan Gailey uh, was an offensive coordinator for, for one year. Uh, uh, O'Day, he was the offensive coordinator his first year as head coach. There is just so much turnover in this coaching staff right now that uh, if we finish dead last uh, behind the Jets, I I wouldn't be surprised. If the Jets rattle off a couple of wins and we're ending up in the basement, I would not be surprised one bit. And if they lose, which they probably are against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, there needs to be changes made in the coaching staff. Not saying Brian Flores needs to get fired, but you need to figure out an offensive identity because you only had about 30 rushing yards between two running backs total in the game last week you ran i think like 40 something plays 240 total yards of offense it is freaking ridiculous yeah and i mean listen like i don't understand how ross can watch the game on sunday and see jacoby Brissett out there and still not pull the trigger on deshaun watson like i mean we all have a soft, a soft spot in New England for jacoby Brissett, but to be real I think he looks like a bottom three quarterback in the NFL that isn't a rookie. And this is this goes beyond the offensive line concerns. So, Puma, quick, quick question for you in regards to the whole Watson thing. Like, how viable is that? Because at the end of the day, we've, we've heard reports about this for months now. It seems to get heated up in the summertime, then it goes away early on this year, then it goes away. Is just another one of those, like, new cycles with Watson, or is there actually some fire behind this? I think I think it's legit. I think uh, at, I think at this point the Houston Texans are tired of you know marking him inactive every week and still paying him a paycheck. I mean, it would be really nice to have him starting instead of Davis Mills right now. Uh, but you know, you have Watson inactive. He wants out. It's been made pretty clear through a couple other you know people that are reporting this. Uh, Albright has been all over this. Ben Albright at Albright NFL on Twitter uh, saying that. The only team he will waive his no-trade clause for is the Miami Dolphins because he wants to get back with his buddy Will Fuller. And I don't really think it's an accident that Will Fuller has not played a whole lot. Like, yeah, he broke his finger in this game against the Colts, but he missed a game because of a personal issue. Nobody really knows what the issue was. And if it's, like, legit, like a family thing or something with him, I hope everything's fine. But I don't think it's an accident that he has not really performed at all for the Miami Dolphins. I think this is legit. I think Stephen Ross wants to make a change. And I think if they lose against the Buccaneers, I would not be surprised if finally they pull the trigger and just unload draft picks and a couple of players. Because clearly, Chris Greer and Brian Flores have not hit on any of these draft picks right now, short of Christian Wilkins. Hmm, conspiracy time, huh? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Do, do, do you think there's something that Stephen Ross knows or, you know, somebody knows about Deshaun Watson where if this, he is traded to a team where he could be inserted to play right away that he's just going to get slapped with the exemplist at that point? No, only because uh, I think because of the new CBA, they really limited, you know, the the criteria of what, you know, Goodell can put a player on the exemplist for. So in the past, pre-new CBA, uh, Goodell would have put him on the exemplist in a cocaine heartbeat. Like he wouldn't need a whole lot. Like you, you know, you get you know, you New England fans, you guys know that perfectly well uh, that it, he was judged during executioner, and you didn't really need a whole lot to do anything. But now with the new CBA, uh, it's a lot more tighter to do this. Uh, we all know that the obviously the criminal investigation is ongoing. The civil suit is still ongoing, but that's not going to be solved until possibly the off season at this point no one really has a timetable on the criminal investigation so i think it's it's a real chance unless like a bombshell comes out after he's traded 
to whatever team that he could be put on the exempt list. But as it stands right now, I think he would be eligible to play the rest of the year on a new team. Interesting. I there's got to be something that's that that's holding that up that maybe we yeah. haven't heard of at this point because I, I feel like think, the, the trigger would have been pulled at this point. I think at this point the, it, it's just coming down to what kind of protections the Houston Texans are willing to do for draft picks. Like, it, are they going to fork back over like you know a couple of like a first rounder, a cu- the the second rounders, and maybe a player if Deshaun Watson does end up on exempt list? I think that is like the brass tax and what is holding up this uh, potential trade between Watson and whatever the suitors are. I, I think it's really just coming down to draft pick and player protection for the people involved in the trade. So real quick before I get into what I'm going to say about this, because I'll be quick about it. Does Deshaun Watson get traded before the trade deadline this year? Yes. To the Miami Dolphins? Yep. I I think if they get blown out by Tampa Bay, and I don't think the schedule really gets any easier for the Dolphins, Steven Ross is going to have the the enemies at the gates uh, demanding a whole lot of change. I think you can stave uh, stave off the the heathens by pulling off this trade and and, and saving your fan base. Yeah, same here. What do you think, Jay? I think I think uh, oh I'm sorry I take it back I do not believe he's gonna get traded before the trade deadline just because I've seen this seesaw like a few times now like I don't understand why you would wait till now to pay him money like money that you're just wasting pissing away and then finally trade him you could have done this back in the summertime and moved off of him I think they're gonna hold out till their off season and essentially his stock is gonna be uh, the way I see it playing out is they're gonna essentially you know get a resolution on the cases his stock will essentially rise back to where it should be and he'll download him at that point before the draft I share that sentiment I think that he will not be traded I think that the Texans would be just, again, still selling low at this point uh, on Deshaun Watson. And I think that let everything play out for the year. He's not, I mean, they're paying him either way. And we'll see what happens in the offseason. Or plot twist, plot twist, I'm sorry. What if they they wait for the Dolphins to keep losing? Because at that point, like Deshaun Watson would elevate this entire offense, right? They could potentially go on a run and win a couple of games and dilute some of the draft picks, at least for next year. If they hold tight and like don't pull the trigger on a trade and maybe wait for them to keep losing a couple of games, then that might be when they dump the trade and actually pull the trigger and make it happen. I think the Dolphins would have to pay them exactly what they want. For that to happen, there's going to be no coming down from it. You know, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. But real quick, I'll be brief. Uh, I really do think Tom Brady missed uh, Rob Gronkowski in that game last week. Like you, Puma, I think this is a perfect get right game for that Bucks offense uh, passing game to involve Cameron Brate, OJ Howard, um, you know, Chris God. I'll get everybody back involved. I, I too like the, the Bucks to win outright. Laying the ten points uh, to beat the Dolphins by more than uh, more than ten, uh, my boy agrees with me. He's taking the Bucks as well. Woo! Let's go! Let's go, Shark! Ow! <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna be brief as well. I think this is the perfect get-right game for the Buccaneers. I think their um, season starts now. I mean, so much of it was built up towards Week Four, and everybody was looking ahead to Week Four and trying to get that out of the way. I'm so glad it's over. I'm so glad Brady won. I think they can move on and you know, focus on the rest of the football season. Now the concern for me is that secondary is just god-awful. It's atrocious. I haven't seen a secondary that bad in a long time, and a lot of it has to do with injuries. Um, I think the Buccaneers will be able to win this handedly, but I would not be shocked if the if Jacoby Bursett and the Miami Dolphins had some success moving the ball up and down the field. So give me the Buccaneers somewhere in the realm of like a 32 to uh 24, maybe 21 kind of game. Um, and then the last thing about the, the whole Deshaun Watson thing I want to close out on is, have you guys heard some of the stories that Rusty Harden, Watson attorney, has been contacted by a few teams to give them sort of some sort of indication of where this thing is going, how it's panning out. Uh, so I assume that that implies that multiple teams have interest in them uh, than just the Miami Dolphins. Mm-hmm. Be interesting uh, to see how it plays out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so let's move on to the 3 1 Cleveland Browns coming off of a win against the Minnesota Vikings, final score 14 7 against the 3 1 San Diego Chargers that uh, beat the Oakland Raiders last night 28 14. And the one question I really want to delve on, and I'm going to list out for you guys, is you know, doing my homework for this game, I came across Baker Mayfield's numbers, 
and I was shocked at just how bad that some of these numbers were, right? So, you know, he has only two touchdowns so far in four games. By comparison, Trey Lance has three. Um, Baker, you know, essentially Trevor Lawrence has five. Mac Jones has four. And I'm comparing them to rookies, right? And Baker Mayfield shouldn't be with two touchdowns in the same class as rookies. So is Baker Mayfield potentially holding this Cleveland Browns, game, uh, Cleveland Browns team back? You go first, Verge. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I think I think it's definitely something to uh, to consider. Uh, you know, I mean, they haven't obviously had a effective passing game, scoring points in this game, but I just feel like the the Cleveland Browns offense, and you know, I was a detractor of them in our early early preseason predictions. Uh, uh, you know, to win the division, I had them finishing last. I think I was way wrong on that. I'll take the L on it, but the you know. They have so many different ways to move the ball on that offense. They have that great running game with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. To me, it doesn't it doesn't phase me. Um, obviously, like they beat the Minnesota Vikings 14-7 last week. Uh, Baker was not exactly great in that game. Uh, but, you know, they did enough to win. And we, we, we were on this podcast last week saying the Vikings were one of the, you know, the best, uh, I think it was one and two teams or – or, or, or own three teams. I can't, I can't remember their record, but you know, th- they found a way to, to win games. They haven't really beat anybody, you know, with a winning record. They, yes, they gave, uh, you know, Kansas city a run for their money in week one, but I mean, they beat the Texans and the bears, uh, you know, before they beat the Vikings. Uh, you know, I think it's fake to say that he could very well, um, you know, cause a problem for this team down the road. Uh, that said, I do believe that they Cleveland Browns are going to win this game. This week, uh, they're, I think they're right now the Browns are one-and-a-half-point underdogs in this game, so they're, they're getting one-and-a-half. I like them to cover, obviously, to win uh, win outright here. More or less for the sole purpose that my, my kid picked this game, and uh, I've gone against him a few times so far today, and you know he's proven me wrong a few times this year, so I can't let him prove me wrong too many times. So give me mm-hmm. the Browns. Yeah, just to answer your question, Jay, I, I think it's more so. I don't think it's like uh, I don't think Baker Mayfield's holding the offense back. I, I just think this team is really just running through Kareem Hunt and, and Nick Chubb right now. They they are the first overall rushing offense in the NFL right now. Um, they really haven't been in much of a shootout. It kind of got dicey towards the end of the Vikings game last week. And as a Vikings better, I wanted to cry with the no hold call in the end zone on Adam Thielen. But um, I, I think I think this is going to be a shootout. I think, I think we're going to see Baker Mayfield air it out. He's going to have to. I mean, we saw how fast this, this Charger defense was uh, last night against the, the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, he, he's going to have to throw. He's going to have to throw. Everybody's going to have to get involved in this offense. It's going to be all hands on deck at this point, especially for like an AFC North division that really nobody thought was going to be one of the more interesting divisions in all of football right now. So um, I, man, I think I'm going to go against the grain. I think I'm with you, Bridge. I think I like the Cleveland Browns in this game. They're, they're, they're actually two-point dogs right now. Um, I like them getting the two points uh, on the road in Los Angeles, and I, I think they have a chance to win outright. I have a whole really? lot of uh, stock in that defense for the Cleveland Browns as well, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we saw what happened last night with uh, with Carl Nassib and, and my boy Max Crosby. I mean, they were able to get pressure on on uh, on on Justin Herbert last night, and I think this is going to be a whole different ball game when you get Jadavian Clowney and. Um, and uh, Miles Garrett involved, so I, I like the Browns in the spot, dude. I got I got the Chargers winning this, and and I got Shocker. them winning. I got them winning a little bit in an embarrassing fashion. I'm I'm calling like a 31-17 kind of blowout kind of here, man. <laughs> I mean, and, and a lot of it comes down for me that the Chargers defense is legit, man. Brandon Staley and what he's done so far, like he's my early like coach of the year candidate because of how he's he's got these guys playing. You know, their defense has held every opponent to the lowest total of the whole season. I sent you guys a stat earlier today. Mm-hmm. You know, they held the they held the Washington football team to 16 points. Um, they held the Dallas Cowboys to 20 when they're averaging 35.3. In the other three games, they held the Kansas City Chiefs to 24 points. And uh, the Chiefs are averaging 36 points in the, 
other three games. And the Raiders last night, they held them to 14 when they're averaging 30 points as well. So I am really impressed with the Chargers' defense. I think it's legit. They're fast. They're physical. They run well. And then on the other side of the ball, I think Justin Herbert's playing out of his mind right now. I mean, he, in every single statistical category, he's like in the 5 to 8 range. So he's just slowly inches way up into the elite quarterback status. I think when it's all said and done, he'll be up there. And on the other side, I'm really concerned about Baker. I'm really concerned about Baker Mayfield. The, the, the Browns were the local game here this past weekend, so I had to watch all of it. And he's missing like OBJ wide open. Like he, he OBJ had two touchdowns where Baker's airmailing to the left or the, to the right. So I, I think it's something to keep an eye on. And I think Baker is one of the reasons why the Browns aren't putting up more points um, when it comes to uh, to putting uh, teams away. Yeah. I don't know. I'll be. Uh, I'm. I'm holding out for the brownies. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go brownies. And then the uh, the final game of the week that we're gonna pick. We've got the three and one Buffalo Bills coming off of a forty point drubbing of the Houston Texans, taking on the two and two Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead. The Chiefs are coming off of a forty two thirty win against the Philadelphia Eagles. So uh, I think I know where this is going, Burge. But who do you got winning this game? <laughs> So who do you think I got winning this game? I'm I'm gonna I'm not picking against Patrick Mahomes, man. They're laying they're oh, laying the God. two points there in uh, in Kansas City. I know Puma has traded his Dan Marino jersey in for a uh, oh, Josh Allen jersey. Here we go. Fandom police. Miami Dolphins are in hell. How to act and who to root for? Look, the Bills. No doubt, in you know, you look at the stats. The Bills have put up some pretty godly numbers with their offense through. You know, there are three victories in this game. But I, I come back to it, you know, they lost to a, you know, what we see now as a bad Steelers team. Um, you know, it, the combined record of their wins that they've, that they've had so far, 5-11. and 11, This is, this is going to be their first real test of the season. Uh, they're going into Arrowhead. You know, the Kansas City Chiefs defense is, an absolute, is absolutely a concern. They've, they've given up a lot of, you know, yards and points this year. Uh, but I, I'm not picking against Patrick Mahomes here at home. I, I'm, I'm just not doing it. I, I, I like that. Uh, I like the Kansas City Chiefs to win, covering the three, you know, laying the two and a half points. My boy agrees with me. I'm not picking against them. Plain and simple. Wow. Wow. <clears throat> let me uh, let me speak on this real quick. Nobody Soccer. in the words and the words of Chris Berman. <laughs> nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. And yeah, we could all say that. Yeah, they lost to a bad Steelers team. But really, like, that Steelers team beat them on the defensive side of the football and special teams. Like, if th- that block punt that became a touchdown, that doesn't happen. It's probably a totally different ball game. I think Buffalo was drinking their own Kool-Aid that first week at home, full capacity pretty much up in, in Orchard Park. But ever since then, they've been dialing in the offense. Dawson Knox has been a pleasant surprise uh, this season, not only just in you know pl- uh, pass protection and, and run blocking, but in, in, in you know in as being a skill position guy. He's been a, a pretty decent tight end, uh, you know, considering his limited uh, career at Ole Miss as a tight end. And I think this offense, Josh Allen's really starting to click on his own. Stephon Diggs is starting to come back into his form. Cole Beasley, you know, all, all of his off-the-field peccadillos, okay, whatever. We can have a debate about that another time. But he is still the underneath, you know, yak machine, move the chains type of dude. Uh, the running back by committee approach, you know, by hook or by crook, it's getting it done. And this defense is starting to step into elite status. And I know, you know, we, we all want to rag about how they laid an egg in the AFC Championship game, but this defense is actually coming back uh, almost full strength. I mean, you have Star Lutalele back. He was out. Uh, he didn't play last season. He opted out. Uh, you know, Matt Milano is still a savage. Christian Pointer in the back in, in the secondary is a savage. Micah Hyde. Um, Ed Oliver, I think we're going to have a good Ed Oliver game uh, on Sunday night. I I think the Bills are going to go into Arrowhead. I think they're going to expose a very, very bad Steve Spagnuolo defense, whether it's by injuries or just people not playing to the scheme. I think they're going to exercise the demons in Arrowhead. I think they're going to walk away with the win. And, you know, the, it's the highest over under 56 and a half on the, on the board for this week. Um, I feel like that's about right. I kind of want to stay away from the over-under, but I, I love the Bills in this spot. Puma, let me ask you a quick question. Lyle. You know, the Bills last year lost to the Chiefs twice, 
and it seems to be like this is a team they got to get over the hurdle to make it to the Super Bowl. So do you think this is a low-key must-win game for the Bills? It's only because the tiebreakers might come into factor down the road into where the AFC Championship game could be, whether it's in Arrowhead or in Buffalo. I think so. I think so, not only just for the tiebreaker factor, but for the psyche of this team. Like, if you can march into Arrowhead now that it's, you know, essentially it's going to be at full capacity. You can march into Arrowhead. You can silence that crowd. You get the tiebreaker. And let's say you go as far as a lot of people think you are, and the AFC Championship game is going to go up to Buffalo in the wintertime. Absolutely. There's a lot on the line of this game and a, you know everyone's aware in that building from the from the the, the janitor at, at the facility at Bills Field to to you know the the general manager and the owner of the Pagulas. Everyone knows what's on the line in this game and I think I think they're uh, they're going to walk away with the win. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you, Puma. I think the Bills are going to win this game. I've got them winning 30-27. to 27, um, And mostly because I have no faith in that Chiefs defense. That defense might be just as bad as the Bucks or the Seattle Seahawks. They were giving up three points per possession. Like, basically, any single time the other team has the ball, they're getting three points is, the, is what that stat says. And which is equivalent to the 2019 Dolphins, who at that point, if you guys remember, were accused of, ta- of tanking. So, I think this, this Chiefs defense has some serious issues. I think Josh Allen's going to be able to move the ball fairly well he had a rough go of it week one but he's kind of rebounded nicely he's got nine touchdowns two interceptions 60 percent uh, completion percentage and then on the other hand Patrick Mahomes he's kind of playing at a lights out level as well 14 touchdowns now 1200 yards and four interceptions I think it's gonna be a little bit of a shootout it's gonna be a fun game to watch so now football um and I, I got the Bills winning this man I'm looking forward to this game best game let's of the go week. let's go Josh Allen running all over yes somewhere bird is punching here right now uh, he probably ran upstairs to re-up on the, the, the rum so he didn't have to hear me brag a little bit about Josh Allen. You can brag about Josh Allen all you want. I know what you are. I know what you are. Puma. There we go. I know what you are. There we go. I got a fandom arrest warrant out. You do. <laughs> Here you we do. go. Shoot you on sight. Do. You both do. Here we go. Oh, Man, October, October go. 24th can't come soon enough. <laughs> Here we freaking go. By the way, I got that day off, so it's fucking happening. Hell um, yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Jay and uh, I are going to end up leaving in body bags because we're going to kill fine. each other. It's fine. It's <laughs> fine. Hey, listen, I, I, I've got nothing to say anymore. I mean, listen, I, I was very good to you today in this past couple of days. I mean, I've got nothing but the record for to speak for me, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I got anything else to say, Poo, uh, Birch. <laughs> I got nothing else to say at this point either. We're just going to keep agreeing to disagree about this whole thing. It's, it's going to be the way it is. Wow. Look at us adulting and solving our problems uh, reason. Oh, there's, no sol- there's no solving. There's just deflecting at this point. Yeah, it's no deflecting. Shit. Deflecting. Yeah. I've got nothing to say. Tom Brady won. That's all I got to say. Oh, God. All right. On that note, before we get sidetracked, <laughs> we're going to go to Brandon's. We're going to go to Brandon's best bets, which... You know, I will. I will fully admit. I will fully admit. Last week it was. A, it was a bad week. It was a little bit of an expensive week. I. I did not hit on a bet. But we're going to. We're going back to the drawing board. We're going to regroup, reassess, and uh, here's some of the the tickets that I'm going to have. Which, by the way, for those listeners in Connecticut. Thursday, October 7th, you can do online betting from the comfort of your own home because it's going live in Connecticut on FanDuel, Sugar House, uh, or uh, our unofficial official sportsbook, DraftKings Sportsbook for the Pro Football Radio Podcast. R.I.P. Puma. Uh, it's fine. It's fine. I got my limits. I got my rules. We're all set. I'm going to abide by those little itty-bitty parameters. So here are some of the tickets I, that I will be uh, placing on Thursday. Uh, like I just said, I love Buffalo, two and a half, getting those points on the road in Arrowhead. I think they're going to cover. They're going to win outright. The Las Vegas Raiders. I know they laid an egg last night. A lot of it was in the first half when they only had like 54 yards of total offense. I think they honestly had more penalty yards in offense in the first half. But um, I, I, I like them in this spot, laying five and a half against the Chicago Bears. I think that number is going to change if Justin Fields starts. 
Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if it's announced that Fields is starting, that number comes down. If Andy Dalton is starting, I think it's going to stay at about five and a half just because we know what Andy Dalton is under pressure. and We know what Max Crosby and Carl uh, Nassib are. Um, so I love Las Vegas. And by the way, for all of like the depleted secondary, and it's pretty sad when like Damon Arnett is like the last man in the Alamo. We've all ridiculed that draft pick by Mike Mayock when he made it. Uh, Jay, you know this, Damon Arnett mm-hmm. from Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Um, it, he goes out like that secondary. They did a an honorable job last night against a high powered uh, Chargers offense. So I, I like them getting the laying the five and a half. I'm going to go a little bit off reservation here. Cincinnati Bengals, Green Bay Packers. Cincinnati is three-point underdogs. I'm going to take Cincinnati to cover the three points. I, I like Joe Burrow. I like what this offense is doing. A lot of question marks about Joe Mixon right now. Um, Samarje P. Ryan does not inspire a whole lot of confidence in that backfield. But this Bengals defense has surprised people. This Bengals team as a whole has surprised people a lot. I like the Bengals covering the three points. I don't think they're going to win outright, but I think they're going to keep it close. And the, the, the New York Jets. I never thought I would, I would live to see the day, guys, where I would actually want to bet the uh, the New York Jets against the Atlanta Falcons. The Jets are three-point dogs against the, against the Falcons. I, I like I the Jets in the spot. I think they could win outright. We, we saw how bad that defense was for the Atlanta Falcons. And Cordero Patterson, I hate him with mm-hmm. every fiber of my being, not only in real-life football, but in fantasy football as well, too. Um, <laughs> Zach, Zach Wilson, he, he showed me a lot. I mean, we saw the talent. He, he's got a cannon. Uh, you know, Jay, your buddy Sweeney calls him the, the what is it, the Mormon Missile or, yeah, or Mormon something missile. like that? Yeah. The Mormon <laughs> Missile. I think I think the Mormon Missile is going to launch a couple of ICBMs into the end zone. I think we're going to have a good uh, Jamison Crowder game. We saw a connection between him and, uh, and Zach Wilson the other day. I like the Jets in this spot, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Jets went outright. So, Give me Buffalo getting two and a half points on the road in Arrowhead. Las Vegas as five and a half point favorites against the Chicago Bears. Cincinnati covering the three against the Green Bay Packers. And the New York Jets covering three and possibly winning outright against the Atlanta Falcons. Wow, so much. Hey, before we move on, a little bit of breaking news. Um, looks like the Dallas Cowboys have released linebacker Jalen Smith per Adam Schefter. Uh, looks like wow. uh, Jalen Smith is owed $7.2 million for for this season by the Dallas Cowboys. So, uh, Bill, Oh, I know a team in that division that would love a linebacker right now. <laughs> I, think, wow. uh, I think Ron Rivera has entered the chat, especially with John yeah. Bostic being done for the season. Shit, with how bad uh, Van Noy and Hightower are playing... Belichick should be calling him as well. No, you guys got Jamie yeah. Collins. It's fine. Yeah, I know, right? I'm good with Jamie Collins. Don't even go there. Yeah, I just wanted to. They could probably bring him in on the cheap, you know? Live up to the frag yeah. out moniker. Um, okay, last segment of the day. We've got <laughs> the Fantasy Bullets with Burge. Sir, take it away. So, yeah, my, uh, my teams didn't fare all that well this week. Uh, you know, Same. losing... Uh, Christian McCaffrey for the week really uh, put a damper on my, um, you know, my main dynasty team. Devontae Adams' performance uh, also wasn't uh, up to expectations. I didn't get in the pay dirt with him. Uh, you know, all around just a disappointing week. Uh, you know, I, I, I just to touch on some waiver wire pickups at this point. Uh, you know, one I'm targeting. Uh, Jay, I was talking to you about it before they uh, before we actually hit record on this was uh, was Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold uh, at quarterback. If you're in need of a quarterback, I mean, I'm playing with with Ryan Tannehill, Carson Wentz, and Jameis Winston right now. All are really not living up to what I had re- had, had hoped to get out of them at this point. Uh, I see Sam Darnold sitting on my uh, my free agency wire here. I mean, he's got. Five rushing touchdowns on the year. I mean, he's been a, you know, like we talked about on this podcast in the, in the offseason about the Carolina Panthers being a dark horse team. Uh, they're kind of living up to that at this point, partially in part because of what Sam Darnold is bringing to the table there. Uh, so I, he's one that I am all over to to add. Another guy who, who is a surprising surprisingly consistent uh, fantasy player right now is Hunter Renfro for the Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, he's had no less than five catches in in, in, in the four games that he's played. He's hit Pater a couple of times. 
Uh, he's another guy that, you know, you know, I'm targeting to pick up to, you know, kind of add to my roster who, uh, in all likelihood is, is, is available in, in a lot of leagues. So those are two of my waiver wire pickups here. Um, in terms of lineups, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about Chase Edmonds, uh, you know, before the season started, how, you know, I was very high on him last year. I like him as a player, uh, you know, in real life fantasy, you know, he's kind of limited with what Ken and Drake was there last year. Uh, this year he's been incredibly consistent in terms of what he brings to the table. Obviously he's not an, you know, an RB one or two at this point, he's a solid flex play, but he is coming off a fantastic performance last week. Uh, against the Rams going uh, for 120 yards on the ground and 19 through the air. So another guy that if you're in need of a, of a flex position uh, would be a quality trade target. Okay. So, okay. I don't know if you guys got any questions at all or oh, I, I've got like all of them. Should I give up oh, on boy. chase? Should I give up on uh, Kyle Pitts, man? Talk about it. I'm so dude, tired of this dude. I'm so fucking tired of this dude. Uh, to be honest with you, I'm not necessarily, you know, looking to blame him at this point. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons are just such a bad team overall. I mean, you know. Arthur Smith doesn't know what he's fucking doing down there. Big time. We can all agree time. on that, right? Like, Arthur Smith is, at this point, kind of over his head. Can we all agree on that? Yes, yes. Yes. Kyle Pitts is a generational talent at the tight end position, and it doesn't seem like they're using him properly down there. And, uh, you know, I'm still not at the point. Uh, he's, he's that kind of guy that you don't necessarily want to just outright drop. But you got to be looking for a replacement at tight end at this point, fantasy-wise. I mean, he's been a colossal disappointment for what the expectations were coming into the season. I mean, he still doesn't have a touchdown. He's got what? I think it's uh, he's got 16 receptions on the year. I mean... Does Incredibly he even have consistent. a red zone target? That I'm not even I I'd have to look up. I don't sure. even I think mean, if if he does, you can probably count it on like three. Like I think he if, at yeah. most he would have three at this point. Yeah, I mean I mean last week was his his highest targeted week uh of the season and he walked away with four receptions for 50 yards. I mean, it's it's very very underwhelming. I would be looking for a replacement for him uh if you're in a redraft league. Might be worth packaging him with something to upgrade your position. Again, you know, TJ Hawkinson's a guy that, you know, I, I, I'm big on, you know, over the course of the season, if you can find a way to pry him away from an owner. Uh, but, yeah, he's 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 not one that, that, that you want to rely on uh, at the tight end position going forward, simply because the tight end position can make or break your season. I mean, obviously you have your top-tier guys like Darren Waller, Travis Kelsey, and then... Is everybody else at this point? George Kittle has, has, hasn't been great at all. Um, you know, Noah Fant had a nice step up this week uh, with Denver, uh, given the injuries that they have suffered down there in Denver. He's a he's a possibly good a good target to have. Uh, but yeah, a fade Kyle Pitts at, at, at best bench him. I wouldn't outright cut him. Trying to trade him wouldn't necessarily be the bad thing either. I think I'm going to put a waiver claim in for Dawson Knox. He's still available. Yep. But the problem is I hate having two of the same players like on my roster. I got Stefan Diggs as well. I mean, that's hardcore biting me in the ass right now because the Steelers have underperformed and both Najee Harris and Chase Claypool are just sucking dick for me right now. I mean, I mean. I'm so mad. You guys, like, seriously, my listen. team is so fucking bad. Calvin Ridley, <laughs> Najee Harris, Christian McCaffrey, like Kyle Pitts. Oh, another one I have a question for you. What about Damian Harris? Should I keep him in the lineup? Or, like, what's the deal with him? Don't I mean, start him. Absolutely games. not. Well, I got nobody absolutely else. Not. Christian McCaffrey's hurt. <laughs> uh, Sony Find somebody has else. to be on waivers somewhere. Sony oh, <laughs> yep. God. Do not play Damian Harris. I mean, he's kind of fitting into that mold where, obviously, the Patriots running game has sucked. Uh, but kind of playing into that, you know, the typical last 15 years, you know, 16 years, where don't trust the Patriots running back in fantasy. You just can't do it. All right, well, Burge, not I'm not so to put you put you as uh, you know Johnny on the spot or in this case Burgey on the spot, but I'm gonna do it anyways. It's at the quarterback position uh, for 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 those like myself that are streaming. I didn't get the top guys in the draft, and I thought I would just mm-hmm. live and dry with the waiver wires. 
Over the next couple of weeks, if you had to stream between these three guys of Daniel Jones, Taylor Heineke, or Heineke, or uh, Sam Darnold, which one, if let's rank them, who would you pick, like, who would be your first, second, third guy out, out of those three? Uh, well, like, like I just said about Sam Darnold, he's number one. Uh, it's clicking down there in Carolina. Um you know, he, he's proving himself to be a red zone rushing threat mm-hmm. at this point. Uh, he's effectively passing the ball. So I, I, I probably go with him first. Um, the other one was Daniel Jones. Who was the last one again? Uh, Taylor Heineke. Oh, God. If I pick against Taylor Heineke, I'm going to get crucified on here. No. I'm um, not going to crucify it. I think it's close. I think it might be close. But personally, between between you and I, I think it might be close between uh Danny uh Danny Dimes and, and Taylor Heineke. Yeah, I mean Taylor Heineke is is doing very well. <laughs> I mean, better than I think any of us thought except for you. You were you've been on the Heineke bandwagon since last year. Uh, you know, I, again, Darnold's my number one I, I, far and away who I would trust at this point. He's displayed it over 4 weeks. Um uh I, I can't get behind backing Danny Dimes at this point. I, I just expect, you know, he, obviously they won last week. I just, there's something about him that just makes me think that he's going to give it, give it away when they're, when they're, when they're in the red zone close and he's going to end up fumbling the ball away, throwing an t- untimely pick or whatever, which is going to end up killing you uh, in fantasy where, you know, it could end up being, like, you know, depending on your scoring at an eight point swing uh, for that. So I, I, I probably would stream, Darnold one, Heineke two, Danny Dimes three. That that would be the order I'd go in. Sick. That's all I got. Oh, I gotta hate fantasy football so much. Hey Jay, yeah. you gotta do what you hate, and that's to make a couple of trades. Oh, I just oh my god. The problem is like I don't have like I don't want to invest time in this. That's the issue. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, oh no, no, no let me take that back. Let me, let me take that back. Let me take that back. I just wanna I just wanna like have fun with this. Now it's becoming like, oh my god, I suck so bad. I gotta figure out a way to do this. How can I trade this player? There's like all this extra work coming into it now. Jay, what you need to do, what you need to do, you need to watch the movie Moneyball and Draft oh, I've Day. Watched it. Great and we movie. and we we can we can Money. all pan we can pan draft day, but like the premise is fucking awesome. Like mm-hmm. just watch those movies and then like, you know, have a, have your have your Starbucks coffee, you sit down, you get the free Wi-Fi, you do your notes, you come up with another flamethrower blog post, and then you propose a couple of trades, you retool, you revamp brick by brick. Brick by brick, you rebuild that roster, and then the words of Jonathan Coachman, the former guy in the WWE, also on Sportsline for uh, for best bets. You go straight to the cash window. Look, look, Jay, Jay, trading in fantasy football is one of the most fun aspects of it, outside of the draft, because mm-hmm. week to, week to week, it's it's a crapshoot. You're basically banking on luck at that point. So I'm all in four though. Oh, dive dude, in. Yeah, dude, that's perfect. You got that is a perfect time to just say "damn the torpedoes" and start firing off some trades, bro. All right. Look, There's got to be a couple I'm, of suckers in that league. There's got to be a. Couple. I, so, so, so I was. I, go ahead. I was gonna say I'm. I was three and zero in my dynasty league here, and I'm still sitting here trying to 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 make trades to either boost mm-hmm. my roster or boost my future. So. It, it, it is work. I do. I'm in six leagues. I can't bounce all of them. Like I'm at the point now where it's like I'm picking and choosing which teams are good, which teams are bad, ignoring the bad ones and going with the good ones because you, you gotta you gotta be able to dive in, and put the work in if you want to if you want to get some wins. You can't just rely on the draft. All right, here's my plan of attack. I'm gonna put my waivers in for tonight. I'm gonna try to get Dawson Knox and a couple other guys, and once that clears, I'm gonna just start sending trades out tomorrow. Well, the other thing too. You could do, you know, defense through the the waiver wire too. If you know a guy that's got David Montgomery yep. and you got the higher waiver claim, I would get Damian Williams and a cocaine heartbeat too. Yep, Damian Williams, yes, absolutely. Montgomery's gonna be out. What is it, Burge? Like four to six weeks with that that knee sprain? I I saw four to five weeks. He's out, yep. and you you got a bell cow there, and Damian Harris. You know, I know he got dinged up a little bit, but. You know, they're going to have to run the ball. You know, they, they their team is not built to just air it out all the time. So And we we saw what Williams looked like in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. So, yeah, I would do defense through the waiver wire, too. I, I'd go after Damian Williams. I 
I, I mean, I stream. I mean, if you're, we're going to talk about defense, I know that's not what you meant, but if we're going to talk about defense, stream the shit out of your defenses too because play the matchups. Play the matchups with the defenses hardcore. That's that that's that's a big key. Yep, yep. All right, fellas, let's get out of here. Puma, we'll plug it up. We're at 60 minutes. Let's plug, kind of, uh, plug it fastest, up. I think uh, our fastest ever podcast. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Fucking technical difficulties. My bad. But uh, again, brick by brick, we're going to retool. be back better than ever, and we're going to go straight to the cash window. All right, so this episode of the podcast and, and previous episodes of the podcast can be found on Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcast, YouTube, Apple Podcasts. Be sure to like and subscribe on YouTube. Hit that little bell notification so you get that information in your feed. And also, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It helps with the algorithm for those folks out in Palo Alto and gets us uh, more exposure to the masses social media platforms facebook instagram pro football radio podcast the twitter machine at pfr podcast i'm on twitter brando underscore puma jay chima the captain of the ship jay chima is at jay chima and our senior analyst senior contributor eric burgess aka the burge aka the father of shark sharp Parker is on the Twitter machine at Burge, the goalie. Be sure to see him going hard in the paint. Uh, the last 48 to 72 hours has been fun to see uh, Burge quote tweeting everything going hard in the paint. So I uh, I personally live for I live for those moments when I'm having a bad day at work. I'll hop on Twitter and be like, oh, what's Burge doing? Oh, he's going scorched earth. Let's go. I'm taking my break right now, motherfucker. So let's go. <laughs> hard in the paint against Jay Chima. That's where it's going to be at the rest of the Whoa, way. What I'm doing? <laughs> Here we go. Oh, here we why, go. Why are you coming at old Jay Chima? Come on. If, uh, only our, if only our Twitter chat was public. Oh, <laughs> my God. They would know. If it, if it was public, we would have been, like, banned a long time ago. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Now, well, go ahead. I was just going to say, before we wrap, Freddy Soliotis, Red Sox are up 3-0 over the Yankees. We'll see you guys next week. Viacondios!